I invite you to turn in your copy of God's Word to Mark chapter 7. Mark chapter 7. Beginning at verse 1. Let's hear God's Word together. Now when some of the Pharisees gathered to him with some of the scribes who had come from Jerusalem, they saw that some of the disciples ate with hands that were defiled, that is unwashed. For the Pharisees and all the Jews did not eat unless they washed their hands, holding to the tradition of the elders. And when they come from the marketplace, they did not eat unless they wash. And there are many other traditions that they observe, such as the washing of cups and pots and copper vessels and dining couches. And the Pharisees and the scribes asked, Why do your disciples not walk according to the tradition of the elders? But eat with defiled hands. And he said to them, Well, did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites, as it is written, This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. You leave the commandment of God and you hold the tradition of men. And he said to them, you have a fine way of rejecting the commandment of God in order to establish your tradition. For Moses said, honor your father and your mother, and whoever reviles father and mother must surely die. But you say, if a man tells his father or his mother, whatever you would have gained from me is Corban, that is, given to God, then you no longer permit him to do anything for his father or mother. Thus, making void the word of God by your tradition that you have handed down, and many such things you do. It was a piercing attack right back on the Pharisees. Incredibly, he does not even reply to their accusation. They, uh, these scribes and these Pharisees, the ones who knew the word of God so well, who, who presented themselves perfectly on the outside, come to accuse, and Jesus doesn't even give their accusation the time of day. Instead, he turns it right back on them, and he says, you're perfect, are you? Well, let's just see exactly what God has spoken about you and is totally true in this moment, and it is piercing what he has said about them. These scribes and these Pharisees came, and look at verse 2. It says, they saw that some of the disciples did not wash their hands. They were watching. They're, they're watching out on everyone. Have you obeyed the external religion that we've given you, that you must obey? Have you done those four things? Have you uh, washed your hands ceremonially? Are you dressed right? Are you saying the right things? Are you doing the right things? Because we're watching. That's what the scribes and the Pharisees did. They were religious fanatics. And religion, as we know, is mainly external. Even in the book of James where it talks about religion that is right and pure, it's talking about the externals that we can be seen that are truly, a true religion reflects what's in the heart. But religion is something you practice on the outside. And these were the religious fanatics. They saw, they were watching. Because here's the reality, they couldn't trip up Jesus. So let's just trip up his companions. Ah, look, they're doing something wrong. Because we can't get him yet. We can't pin him. He seems to be perfect. So let's pin these disciples. Look, they're not following the rules. I'm sure you maybe had a sibling like that or you know somebody like that. Somebody who's always like, they're not following the rules. 
It's the Pharisees constantly, always watching to see if they would trip up. And here they seem to think, ah, we've got them. We got them. We're going to expose them to Jesus and he's going to agree with us that they are wrong. And this is going to be great. So they're just loving this idea that they've seen them. They've caught these disciples. That they didn't uh, ceremonially wash their hands before they ate. There in verse 2, he saw the disciple, they saw the disciples ate without hands, with, sorry, with hands that were defiled, that is unwashed. They were not dirty hands. It wasn't that they just had mud on their hands, were eating bread. The Pharisees were disgusted and were pointing it out to Jesus like, are your disciples pigs? That wasn't the point. They may have had very clean hands, but they didn't follow all the ceremony of the washing of hands. And even after they got the dirt off, they didn't go through the whole, the whole display of religion. That was their problem. That's why they said their hands are defiled or impure. There was a ceremony that they skipped out on. And I love Mark writing to a Gentile audience. He gives us a parenthesis, like in brackets here in verses 3 and 4, saying, For the Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they wash their hands, holding to the tradition of the elders. So that holding to the tradition gives you an indication it's not just about dirt on hands. It has to do with a tradition, a ceremony. So it says, they hold to the tradition of the elders. And when they came from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash. And there were many other traditions that they observe, such as the washing of cups and pots and copper vessels and dining couches. So there's a tradition they follow. And Jesus' disciples, even these Jewish men, weren't following their tradition that just irked these Pharisees. And look at verse 5. And the Pharisees and the scribes asked Jesus, Why do they not walk according to the tradition of the elders, but they eat with defiled hands? Why is their manner of life, why is it that what we can see unacceptable? Their walk is not right. Their life is not right, they say. Why don't they walk? But what are they walking according to? Here, their problem is that they're not walking according to tradition, religion, man-made rules, man-made boundaries, man-made ceremonies. Why don't they walk according to that? Because we think that is right. And we think that is, it is sin not to do that. The Jewish people literally believed in their hearts that they were sinning against God if they didn't follow the traditions of men. Or that they wouldn't be right with God. They would be uh, not welcomed with God, not accepted to God if they didn't follow the tradition so they have a problem here. And the incredible uh, thing here is uh, this clarity on, on the washing of hands in this ceremony. Because um, they thought that holiness was uh, a reflection of how you practiced your religion. The tradition, the hygiene wasn't only it. It was about holiness to them. They didn't care that the disciples had dirt under their fingernails when they ate bread. They thought, they're not holy. They're not holy. As we are holy. They're not right with God. And they're not obeying what we seem to think is right to obey God. They held up this holiness code. But who defined the holiness? Who said what was holy? Well, there, they even said it themselves. Why don't they walk according to the tradition of the elders? So it's the elders code of holiness. Not God's code of holiness. The elders, the Jewish uh, people, the Pharisees, their tradition. 
I'm sure if you've ever tried to change something in a church, you would have heard the phrase something like this, it's always been that way. Why do you do something that way? Why do you do that? Why do you do that? It's just always been that way. It's what we've always done. Does that make it right? Does that make it, uh, it must carry on that way? Because a lot of Christians, sometimes we just have this ingrained in us. Or if, if you were raised in a Christian family, if you're, it, no matter what family you're raised in, you have some things the way you do them. And, but is that law? And must everyone else obey that law? Must every church look the same and practice uh, their worship and expression the same? Because that's the way we've always done it, and that's how I grew up doing it. Is that how what must be done, or else other people are in the wrong? Because that's what the Pharisees think, is you are a cookie cutter, and if you don't match what we have determined is right and good and holy, then you are unacceptable, and you are defiled, and you are impure, and you are unclean. You are unwelcome in God's presence, and God does not want to pay attention to you right now is what the Pharisees would have thought. It's tradition. But it wasn't prescribed by God. It wasn't prescribed by Scripture. It's a very big difference that the Pharisees forgot. What, what was in, installed by men and what was installed by God himself. Even, you, you see when they're trying to trap Jesus at a different time about uh, remarriage and divorce, right? And Jesus himself says, ah, Moses and you created this idea of a divorce, right? He says that wasn't God's invention, but they've so ingrained into their minds, God brought about the idea of a certificate of divorce. And Jesus corrected them and said, no, 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 that was something the tradition of men brought about, and you live by that tradition. So don't try to say that's God's tradition. So here, in the same way, they had this ceremony in which they thought, or maybe they had so done it so long, they were convinced this is what God had said. You must purify your hands in a certain way before you can eat. In their view, it was the person who paid most attention to the externals that was the holiest. And they were watching. Who's the holiest? The man who followed all the rules on the outside. They didn't give a rip about his heart. Because they, they cared about the externals because that's what you can see. And that's what you can fake. That's what you can put on so other people don't know what's going on in your heart or your mind. And so the Pharisees loved it. Because at the end of the day, they could still be so full of anger or bitterness or slander or jealousy or lust or hatred all in their heart. But on the outside, they're washing their hands and they are holy. And they are exactly where they want to be. Everyone looking at them and adoring them. And that is a problem that Jesus points out. Whatever is external is the holiness according to them. They were looking at all on the outside. Look in verse 2. They saw. They were looking. What can we see? What can we um, take in? And then in verse 5, they're observing their walk. See, how are they living their life? We want to see what's on the outside. They don't walk according to the tradition, they said. They're watching. So, does the walk matter? Does the external life matter? Just because the Pharisees have taken it to an extreme and saying that, oh, this is all that matters, does the walk matter? Of course it matters. How we live our lives and what we do and what can be seen does matter. You will know a tree by its fruits. The, the walk matters. What's observable does matter. When we are changed in Christ, we are changed from the inside out. It, it flows out and there is external, uh, visible differences in our lives. But it's not why we think we're holy. Because it can be observed that we have this holiness code on the outside. That's not why we think we're holy. 
It's not why we think we're righteous or we think we're right with God. Right? And so here in Colossians chapter 3, it says in verses 1 through 17, and we'll kind of skip through that section, but it says, If you've been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on things of the earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, you will also appear with him in glory. And then it says, put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. There's there's an external evidence of, if you've been raised with Christ, you will put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. Then it gives a whole list. And it says, seeing that you've put off the old self with its practices, the externals, things that can be seen, you've put those things off. Then it says, put on the new self which is being renewed in a knowledge after its creator. And then in the end of verse 17, it says, And whatever you do, in word or in deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to the Father through him. So external matters. If you've been raised with Christ, there will be a transformation. There will be this battle of, I don't look like my earthly desires anymore. I've put off those practices. Or in Galatians chapter 5, says, now the works of the flesh are evident. The works of the sin nature are evident. They can be seen. They can be recognized. They can be noticed. And then it lists a few. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. He says, I warn you as I've warned you before, that those who do such things, they will not inherit the kingdom of God. But those who belong to Christ, they have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, we will keep in step with the Spirit. It will be visible. There will be fruit. There will be external evidence. And so, yes, the walk matters. Or Ephesians chapter 5 says, Look carefully then how you walk. Not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of time, because the days are evil. Therefore, don't be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Look carefully how you walk. The walk matters. The Pharisees took it to the extreme. The Pharisees uh, took it to the place where they would uh, be judgmental uh, from start to finish of their day, because... They, they expected people to do that to them. They wanted people to be looking at them and all the externals they could display. They said, look at it and judge based on what you see, who I am as a man, as a man of God, as a holy man. What you see, that's what I am. So they, they loved the fact that people looked at them. And so then they were constantly looking at others. Oh, let me just judge you so you can judge me back and I'm going to feel like you see I'm holy. They loved it. But they did just... Life full of rituals. It wasn't a life that was transformed from the inside out. A life that was now walking in step with the Spirit and the Spirit saying, a life of a Christian doesn't look like that anymore. We put off those things. And it's a battle. It's a constant battle. But it's not for the adoration of other people, as the Pharisees did. It's not so other people can say, oh, look how good you are. Look how great you're becoming. We don't do it for that. We don't do it to impress God. Like, oh, I've been able to put on all these things on the outside. Would you just look at me, God? That's what the Pharisees did. It was useless because their hearts were wicked. 
They, they filled up their lives with ritual after ritual. Here their problem was the ritual of a certain hand-washing ceremony. They had these rituals, but our rituals always wrong? Just because the Pharisees do them, and they took them to the extreme, are rituals wrong? Well, if you pray before you eat every meal, that's a ritual in a sense. Is it wrong? No. Not in and of itself. Could it be wrong? Yeah. Are you doing it to be seen by others? Are you doing it to be noticed? Do you think that God's impressed by you doing that? Like, why do we do the rituals we do? There's nothing wrong with rituals as it is, like um, praying before a meal, praying before bed, praying before you travel, uh, whatever ritual you have, reading at 9 o'clock every morning your Bible. It could be a ritual about it. Is it wrong? Not in and of itself, but are you doing it for the attention of others, as the Pharisees did? Are you doing it because you think that's what makes you holy? Or or are you doing it for an appearance? Oh, others see me doing this, so therefore they know that I'm right with God. But the problem goes beyond that with the Pharisees. They thought their rituals made them right with God. They thought their rituals were uh, salvific, that they saved them, that they were right with God and they would go to heaven because they did everything according to the tradition. They followed the rules completely. They thought, God will love me if I do this. Do you think that sometimes? That God won't love me if I forget to pray all day? Or if I've neglected to read my Bible all week long, God loves me less than he did a year ago? If so, you might be falling into this Pharisee mindset. If you think that God's love for you is based on your outward religious activities or rituals or habits of grace, whatever it is, if you think that God's love for you is based on those you may have slipped into a Pharisee mindset. The very problem was that not only did they think that this was, uh, the rituals were greater than they were and had greater power in their spiritual life, but they acted like God required them. God required these things is how they acted. And because they thought God required them, they required them of other people. They, they passed it on said, well, this is good for me, and, and so therefore you must also do it. You must pray at 9 a.m. because that's when I pray and I think it's helpful. That's what the Pharisees are doing here. Their rituals, they were throwing on other people as law, saying, you must do this. That's what made them Pharisees and that's what made them legalists. So when the word legalist, you'll find in churches, somebody who has fallen into legalism or a legalist is someone who prescribes as law what is just maybe a tradition or a ritual or a, a preference They prescribe it as law and say, you must also do this. A dress code. The type of instruments that are played in a church. Um, Whether you consume alcohol or not. All these things that would be uh, up to a Christian's conviction, their own conscience. If I've decided in my conscience that you must wear a blue shirt on a Sunday, and all of you who aren't wearing blue shirts are in the wrong. That's legalism. And obviously that's an example that never happens. But that happens with alcohol, right? If I'm convicted that alcohol is just unhelpful and I think maybe, you know, unholy in any regards, if I was to require that of every one of you, the Bible doesn't require that. And so that's what makes legalism happen is when we take our our thoughts or our, uh, our understandings, our interpretations of scripture and add ritual to them, add safeguards to them, and then apply them to everyone else. That's legalism, and that was here the problems of the Pharisees. They believed that because it was good for their own lives, that 
others must be required to do so. Jesus said in another place in Matthew 23, verse 4, he says, These Pharisees, they tie up heavy loads that are hard to carry and they put them on people's shoulders. Here's all these extra rules. God won't love you unless. You're not holy unless. All the extra things. They bear up heavy loads and put them on people's shoulders. But then you contrast Jesus. It says in Matthew 11, 28 through 30, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke and learn from me, because I am lowly and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Contrast to the Pharisees, which just keep adding and adding burdens that are not restful for the soul at all. You are always in turmoil. Does God love me because I did this? Does he not love me because I didn't do that? That's what a Pharisee's life is made up of. That's what a religious life is made of. And that's not Jesus. Jesus says, come with those burdens and rid yourselves of them. Take me. That is an easy yoke. Jesus despises those who require religiousness in place of right relationship with God. He despises them. If you don't think that your relationship with God is based on faith alone, Jesus is against your thinking. He exposes them. Listen to these sharp words. Look at verse 6. And he said to them, Well did Isaiah prophesy of you, hypocrites. And incredibly, you know, Isaiah was not speaking for himself. Isaiah was declaring God's word as a declaration that it was true. Of you hypocrites, who likes being called a hypocrite, is written, This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrine the tradition of men. And he said to them, you have a fine way of rejecting the commandment of God. Remember, these are men who thought they obeyed the commandment of God to the T. They thought they were the holiest when it came to God. And Jesus looks right in the eyes and he says, you have a fine way of rejecting the commandment of God. In order to establish your tradition, thus you make void the word of God by your tradition and that you've handed down, and many such things you do. This is one of many examples where you are making void the word of God. Many such examples, one of many examples where you uh, are rejecting the commandment of God. That was a slap in the face to the Pharisees who thought they were the holiest in the area. They thought they were the ones who obeyed the commandment of God. They thought they uh, upheld the word of God. And here Jesus says, you rejected the commandment of God, verse 9. You've made void the word of God, verse 13. And it's all because of their tradition. The establishment of their own hearts. These words are piercing, as is the word of God. Hebrews 4.12, right, says, The word of God is living and active and is sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of the soul and of the spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. Jesus is cutting to the heart here, not just the outward religion. Because he says there in verse 6, he calls them a hypocrite. He sees deeper than the uh, acting they've put on. He's going beyond that. And he says very in verse, at the end of verse 6 that their heart is far from him. 
The word of God pierces to the heart, sees the intentions of the heart. They honor me with their lips, he said, but their heart is far from me. They worshiped, but it was all lip service. It was all a show. It was on the outside. Their songs, their prayers, their giving, their attendance, their volunteering, all of the rituals, all of the ceremonies, it was to be seen. It was to be seen by other people. It was all a show. Matthew 23, 5, Jesus says of the Pharisees, they do all of their deeds to be seen by others. Or in Matthew 6, 5, he says, when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners so that they may be seen by others. He says, truly, I say to you, they've received their reward. What they wanted was to be seen. They were seen, but that's it. Their, their offering of all these rituals are vain. They are empty. They hold no weight. They are not worship. He tells them exactly what it is. It's hypocrisy. They're putting on a mask and having everyone believe that's who they are. Hypocrisy is getting worse and worse by the day that we live in. You can create an online profile that everybody believes is your life. They call it like the Instagram life, right? Everybody's like, oh, that's a perfect family Perfect house, perfect vacation, oh, perfect this, everything's perfect. That's who they want you to believe they are. That's the definition of a hypocrite. They don't tell you their life is a mess. They don't tell you that they're, that they're lonely. They don't tell you that they're in more debt than they could ever imagine. They're a hypocrite. Here's who I am, is what they say. But beneath it all, it's not who they are at all. That's the hypocrite, someone who is pretending, someone who is acting that's a hypocrite. Here's exactly what the Pharisees were doing. They were pretending to give adoration to God. Pretending to, to ascribe worth to God, which is worship. Ascribing worth to Him. He is worthy. He is valuable above all things. Let's adore Him. That's what worship is. So they're pretending to worship God when they're actually worshiping themselves. Adore me. Affirm me. Value me. That's what was wrong with their worship. They were not worshiping God. They were worshiping themselves. And so Jesus cut right to them. He says, you are making void the word of God. You are far from God. There is a strong warning here. The reason they did what they did was so that people would value them and adore them and would admire their spirituality. Jesus says that worship is vain. It's vain. In vain do they worship me, he says. It's, it's vanity. It's all just on the outside. It's a veneer coat. It's empty. There's no substance to it. There's no spirituality to it. It is useless. They may as well not have even done any of it. May as well not have even done the ceremonies, done the prayers, done the service. They may as well have done nothing because it's, it's vain. It's empty. It was shown. Remember that they were all about being seen and shown. It was shown that their worship was tarnished. It was defiled. Jesus is now pointing out. They're trying to point out to the disciples how they're defiled, right? How they're impure. And now Jesus looks right at them, doesn't acknowledge the whole hand-washing thing. And he looks right at them. He says, your worship is defiled. Who cares about a hand-washing ceremony? Your worship in your heart is tarnished and it's defiled. You are full of filth because of your tradition. Because of your legalism. 
because of the very things that you uphold that are distracting you from true, humble worship before our great God. Their hearts were far from God because they were so close to themselves. They loved themselves most. And there are times you and I love ourselves most on a daily basis. That's one of the biggest battles of the flesh is who do I love more, me or God? And we often come out on top. We can tell by our time, by our energy, by our efforts, by, by who, honestly, we are following, who we want to adore, who we want to uh, have lifted up. It's us. Their hearts were far from God. That ought to terrify them when Jesus said that. And it should shake us up when we go on pretending. If we offer worship of any sort, prayer, reading, fasting, giving, those are all acts of worship, ascribing worth to God. If we do them all to be seen, or we do them all in a pretending fashion, Jesus told, tells us to be humble. He gives us the greatest example of humility, and he tells us to be humble. And, and something of humility is confessing our weaknesses, confessing uh, our lack. Confessing, I'm not having a good day. I, I'm not in the mood to worship or sing. I'm not in the mood to pray. Why? Doesn't that sound unspiritual? Right? It does. If, if someone says to you, I'm not in the mood to pray, whoa, that does not sound very spiritual. And so we're terrified of that judgment. That someone says, is thinking that we're not very spiritual if we don't want to pray. Or we're having a season really struggling with Bible reading. We're having a season where we feel far from God. We don't want others to know. Because we, like the Pharisees, think that the outside matters. It doesn't. What's the intentions of your heart? Where are you? Don't you want help? Don't you want God to draw you near? Don't you want others to surround you during your weakest moments? That's where we need to be, admitting that. Don't be like a Pharisee and pretend, but just admit. I haven't had the ability to pray in six weeks. I need help. I need others to be praying for me and with me and, and, and walk with me. Give me prayers to read for Pete's sake. We need help. We don't want to be a Pharisee pretending or, or then going even worse and saying, well, you ought to be praying but not praying ourselves. Or you ought to be reading your Bible and then not doing it ourselves. That's the definition of a hypocrite. That's where a heart is far from God. But it doesn't have to stay there. Jesus, from the very beginning of this gospel account, says that he came to call people to repentance. To turn. Like, if you realize something you're doing is wrong or you are far from God, just turn from it. You don't have to be enslaved there. Galatians says you, it was for freedom that you were set free. He literally broke the chains off you so you're not compelled to stay there. It was for freedom that you were set free. Repent. Ask God to help you to turn to him, to cling to him. If you've been loving yourself or the world more than him, repent of it. God, this is what's wrong in me and I, I, I want to and I, I desire for you to draw me near to yourself. We repent and we believe. Take our eyes off ourselves. Because when we actually look at ourselves, it's interesting, and we get an honest look at what we see, then we would know that we're not worthy of admiration. We're not worthy to be the center of the universe. Take your eyes off yourself and fix them on Jesus. He gave these Pharisees a sharp warning for their vain worship. They're, they honor me with their lips. They're doing all externals that other people can see, that they can fake it. I'm sure you've heard the phrase, fake it until you make it. It's not, we don't do that. In the church, we don't do that with our relationship with God. We don't fake it till we make it. If you haven't made it, you admit it. 
You confess it. You ask for help from him and from his people so that you're not just honoring with, with your lips. It's not just an external action, but you want your heart to be to near to him so that your worship is not in vain. The problem for them was that they were teaching the commandments of men like they were doctrine, like they were from God. And this is the way. Jesus gives us the two greatest commandments. What are they? Love God with all that you are and love others. Pursue that. Pursue that. If you are wrapped up in yourself, pursue that. How am I going to love God better? How can I love others better? Pursue it. Sometimes we are so focused on ourselves that we forget one or the other or both. So then the way to get out of that, the way to stop pretending is to just pursue what Jesus said is the best. Love God best. Love others. So that our, our worship is not just from our lips. We want our hearts to be in tune with him, in line with him. And the way we do that is not by keep on pretending. It's by admitting. It's by coming to him. It's by repenting. It's by asking for help. Because it's what the inside that matters. And that's the hard part. Is you can say you're fine all you want. Oh, I'm fine. I'm fine. It's detrimental to a soul. It's detrimental to someone's health. Don't pretend you're fine. The people of God are not fine. That's why we're the people of God. We're the only ones who've ever admitted we are fully broken and totally dependent. You can't become a child of God unless you've done that. And so that's our entrance to our faith. That's our entrance to our way of life. Uh, as Paul says to the Galatians, don't be so foolish that, that you would think that that's how you start and now all of a sudden you've got to keep up a religion. The way you started is the way you continue every single day. It is by grace through your weakness and his strength every day. Don't try to pretend to be strong. Don't try to pretend to be someone you're not. Come as you are and ask for his help so that we may honor him not only with our lips but our heart. That our worship would not be in vain but it would be true. Giving him the worth. Showing that he is to be praised. He is to be admired and we love him. That's what worship ought to be. Not just external lip service as these Pharisees. Jesus really begins cutting at these Pharisees. Doesn't even address their accusation, but instead points the word of God right back at them and says, is this going to do something for you? And that's it. A Pharisee now has the opportunity to repent of their vain worship, to follow him, to follow God's ways, or to keep putting on the show. And the show... It's dangerous. The show is dangerous. Matthew chapter 7 gives the great warning of those who had died and come. They say, Lord, Lord. He says, depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. I never knew you. Your heart was worshiping in vain. Because they said, well, didn't we do all of these things in your name? Didn't we serve and do missions and pray and go to church and all these things? Didn't we do all of it? All these externals? Didn't we put on a good show? He says, sure, maybe for others. And I hope you got your applause while you were there. Because now, your heart is far from me and you are not coming into the kingdom of God. Let's not be those people. Let's take the warning strongly towards the Pharisees. Let's uh, know others who maybe struggle with being Pharisees. And rather than us being the ones to point out their problems, let the word of God point it. So the word of God does and it gives an opportunity as it divides the soul. You are either with God and his way of grace, or you are not. And you'll have your reward. People will pat you on the back and say you're holy, but that's all, it's, all you're going to get. So let's be those then who, who get from Jesus the, the welcome 
The, the worship that he deserves comes from our hearts and flows out of our lips and flows from our hands. Because we love him. We are not trying to place our set of worship standards on someone else. Instead, we're calling other people, no matter where they are, what part of life they're in and, and how they've done it. We're calling them to just love the Lord with all their hearts. And, and as we studied it in Romans, it, you know, there was that whole difference in the Roman church of their backgrounds and how they thought about ceremonies and how they thought about food. And the whole point of Romans 14 was um, if, it, if they're pursuing honoring God, help them. Even if that's not what you would do, even if that's not the way you went or the way you grew up, even if you think that's less mature, if they think it's honoring God, help them in it. And as you help them, lead them to maybe deeper waters. But we're, we're intending to help one another so that we may not be falling into a Pharisee trap of self-focus, of external lip service, but instead of true worship of Christ. He's there with his disciples, in, in a sense protecting them from the attacks of these wolves. And just pointing right back that the word of God is the standard. Because they wanted to make the standard the tradition of men. And he points back again and again, the word of God is the standard. Let's never forget that. When, when we are inclined or maybe judged by another Christian in this church or other churches, judged by another Christian based on tradition, remember the word of God is the standard. And, and it's my heart that I want to be near to God. I, whether or not you think my externals are there, I want my heart to be right with God. Help me to do that. Help me. We need help. To be drawn into God. Show me how beautiful God is. Tell me your testimony that I may rejoice in a totally different way that I never have before. Let's draw one another near to him so we may worship not in vain, but in glory. Let's pray. Oh God, you are holy. You are pure and you are right in everything that you do. Your word is perfect. Your standard is set. We're so thankful that even though your standard is holiness and purity, that we have the Lord Jesus Christ who lived on our behalf that perfect life and died on our behalf with our sin, with our guilt, so that we may come out on the other side, on the other side of the cross, and stand before you confident and worship you from a heart, not just with lip service. Would you help us, O oh God, when we are tempted to pretend? Would you help us to help one another? Would you help us to admit our weaknesses, to ask for help, so that you may be rightly honored, you may be rightly worshipped from not only our hearts, but those around us. We desire it for your glory, we pray in Christ's name. Amen.